I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of our Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of. And by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, were kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant for this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time and opportunity we have to open your precious word tonight. I pray that we would be mindful of it every day of our lives. Help us to give heed to it, as your word tells us. Just to be reminded of some things tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of this message tonight, Be Mindful of the Word. Be Mindful of the Word. You know, the common problem that we human beings is, we forget. We forget. Just like the children of Israel, when Moses went up in the mountain for 40 days and didn't come back for 40 days, they said to Aaron, Up, make us gods. As for this man Moses, basically, we don't know what's become of him. They'd already forgotten that it was the Lord through, through Moses that brought them through the Red Sea. Brought water out of the rock. Brought manna to feed them every day. And quails. Never forgotten. No, they needed to be reminded. He uses the word remembrance. As I mentioned this earlier in this, this book. Remembrance is used three times. And here again, he uses the word remind, be mindful of the words. You know, we're not to give heed to other voices. Don't pay attention to them. There's a lot of other voices in the world that are telling us, well, you know, you can't, you can't take everything the Bible says literally. Unless the context tells you otherwise, you, you better. You 
Now, we're to be mindful. The word mindful means recalled to the mind. So we're to constantly be recalling to the mind the words of the Lord. Uh, you know, Ephesians 2.20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner stone. Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. And then again in chapter 2 and verse 3, and verse three, he says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, and that is the apostles. You know, there are people today who say they're apostles. Don't pay any attention to them. They're liars. They're liars. Um, no, we're to be mindful of the words of the prophets and the apostles of the Lord. And by the way, they are one voice. In other words, they have the same message. The Bible is one grand theme, and it has basically the same message, and it all, they all agree with each other. You know, uh, uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 21, it says, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God were spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, so we are to give heed to the, the word of the Lord, and we are to, to reject any dissenting voices. And Peter is telling us, look, it will prevent us or keep us from compromise or the apostasy. If we give heed or if we're mindful of the words of the Lord. It's the antidote to keep us from apostasy, what he spoke of in chapter 2. So, I want you to notice some things here that he tells us that, the, that we ought to be mindful of from the word of the Lord. First of all, the predicted scoffers. The, 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 the word of God predicted there will be scoffers. Notice verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. So we have predicted or prophesied scoffers. Uh, Jude uses the word mockers. And, and the word scoffer or mocker is a it really means playing like children. In other, words, in other words, these guys, these scoffers, they don't take life seriously. They don't take God seriously. They don't think there is a God, and life is just a game. Life's just a game, like a little kid playing a game. You know, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 that we're to be sober and vigilant because our adversary said ever. But they don't take life seriously. Jude 1.18 says how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So, so there are going to be these scoffers <coughs> who mock. And he gives us kind of a description of them. First of all, they, they walk after their own lusts. Or as they desire that which is forbidden. That's the idea there. They desire that which is forbidden. Sort of like Eve. You know, in the garden, Adam and Eve could have anything they wanted. Except one thing. I mean, if you said a child, an innocent little child, 
little Amelia down in the, on the floor, and you put a lot of things around her, and you would tell her she can't have that one thing over there. Guess what she's going to go after? That one little thing that she's not supposed to have. That's human nature. Well, see, they're always going after that which is forbidden. This is characteristic of men. Genesis 6.5 says that God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Verse 11 says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Uh, Psalm 12, verse 4 says, Who has said, With our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. <laughs> Who is Lord over us? Well, as we're our own, we have a, we're going to have power over ourselves, or we're going to control other people. You know, one of the things that you see these these mockers and these scoffers, you know, and I often wonder, uh, can they come up with any more ways to market religion than they have? You know, sort of like the Catholic Church, you know, I wondered, can they come up with any more ways to torture people? I mean, they have all kinds of methods. Who thinks of such things? Just study on that sometime. You'll find yourself grossed out. And all the methods of torture people have used down through the centuries. Psalm 14.4 says, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. You know, one of the things that, that uh, uh, people, people like is to have or to control or have power over people. This is not uncommon in Baptist churches. I found this on the web the other day. It's a New Year's sermon by the late Dr. Jack Howes. And in that sermon, it was printed out, part of it said this, and I quote, The other day one of the fine ladies said to me, Brother Howes, my son did something wrong. He's just a little bitty fella. She said, I spanked him. Then I asked him, now whose heart did you break? He said, mummies and daddies. No, I said, somebody else. Somebody that is far greater than mummy and daddy. He said, I don't know. I said, somebody greater than mummy and daddy. You hurt mummy and daddy, but you hurt somebody far more than that. Let me give you a hint. It's somebody who hears all you say and sees all you do. Now who is it? Then he said, Brother Howells. I know a lady in this auditorium who keeps my picture in her kitchen. She is on a diet. She said, I sit down to the table and somebody asks, would you like some macaroni? I look up at you and you are looking at me, so I say no. Want some pie? No, thank you. Unquote. Don't put my picture on your refrigerator, whatever you do. Yeah. Control over people. Uh, of course, we have... You know, the sexual revolution that has permeated our society and infected churches. Pastors with charm and charisma gain great followings and, and, and man worship that is cult-like. You know, all this is uh, walking after their own lusts. Secondly, they are willingly ignorant. Notice verse 5 says, 
For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. They're willingly ignorant. The word willingly means to be resolved or to purpose. It has the idea to intend. Words, they don't have any intention of understanding the truth. They are willingly or determined. That word resolve means determined. They're determined to be ignorant. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Because that which may be, may, notice, may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. Now, we might say that's conscience. Every man or every woman, every child that's born, has ingrained in their conscience that there is a God. That there is a God. They have ingrained in their conscience, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not steal. That's ingrained in their conscience. It says, It may be known of, them, of God, is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So here we have the natural revelation. We call it creation. Creation declares the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. So that they are without excuse. Because that, when they knew God, in other words, they know there's a God. They knew it. They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. So they are ignorant of truth on purpose. That's how they intend it. They don't want to know the truth. They don't want to know it. Look at Psalm 53. Psalm 53. <clears throat> Psalm 53. Verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now notice the words there and is are in italics. That simply means they were not in the Hebrew, they were added by the King James translators to make a complete sentence. Uh, but in Hebrew, they weren't necessary. So, But anyway, there is no God or no God. Corrupt are they. They have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek after God. Every one of them has gone back they are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So again, they are ignorant or they have said no to God. I don't want you. I don't want to know you. And really, you think about it. In 2 Thessalonians, Paul talked about in verses 7 through 12, 
those that would be damned because they had pleasure in unrighteousness. And it's the same thing. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, with all the seebleness of unrighteousness in them that perish, here it is, because they received not the love of the truth. It wasn't that they didn't know it. They would not receive it. They received not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. For this God, cause, God shall send them strong delusions, they shall believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. So these, these men, or these people, men, women, whoever they may be, are willingly ignorant. In other words, they intend to be ignorant of the truth. There's an interesting verse in John 7, 17 that says, If any will do his will, if any man will do his will, he shall know the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. In other words, if you have a will or a heart that's willing to do or heed or give ear to what the Lord says, you'll know it. You'll know it's true. But if you don't have a will or a heart to do it, I was telling an institute class today that the key to understanding the scriptures is in the heart. We have to be willing or open to receive it. We have to desire it. We're not going to understand it. And these scoffers, that he says it would be in the last time and we're there, these are willingly ignorant. They don't want it. They don't want it. They intend to be ignorant. You know, some are finding out that, you know, we, we see this in our country with, you, know, you think you could explain to people how capitalism works. And to the average person that maybe just doesn't understand it and never has had explained to them, most, many times you can explain it and say, oh yeah, that makes sense. But to those who are opposed to capitalism, they're opposed to capitalism on purpose. Willingly ignorant. The third thing about these, they all will perish. They will all perish. Verse 6 says, Whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. You know, of course, this is referring to Noah's day. And, and you know, those in Noah's day, and again, those in Noah's day, were willingly ignorant. Noah preached to them for 120 years. He gave them the gospel for 120 years. How many of them received it? None. None but his family. They all mocked him. He condemned the world of their wickedness. And Peter says here that they perished in the flood. 
They all perished. And if you follow their ways, listen to their voice, if you listen to voices other than the word of God, you may perish with them. So no wonder Peter says in chapter 1 that we need to give, a, give heed or take heed to our more sure word of prophecy. It can be a matter of life or death. So we see there's are predicted scoffers. We be mind, mind, mindful of that. Secondly, we be mindful of the preservation of his word. Notice verses 6 and 7 again. Whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So, you know, the world that was destroyed with a flood at the command of God, or the word of God, you might say, is kept in store or is held as it is until the right time for the time of judgment. It's reserved. It's kept in store. The phrase there, kept in store, has the idea of to store up. Accumulating, accumulating riches, you might say. You know, it's like, sort of like a squirrel gathering nuts for the winter. And these are real nuts. Because what they're doing is storing up their wickedness against the day of wrath of Almighty God. You know, the world continues gathering in rebellion against God, more and more defiant. Look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. <clears throat> this, is, this is a dangerous, very dangerous thing to do, uh, is to persist in your own way and, and you become more and more defiant against God. Romans 2. Verse 1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein, therein, wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God, or despisest the riches of Thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up, and there's our word, idea of storing up, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to every man according to his deeds. You see, to persist, these as they persist in their rebellion against God, are storing up against the wrath of God. Treasuring up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath. What was that? One of the, I think it was one of the founding fathers said the, uh, the justice of God will not sleep forever. See, God is keeping this world now. He's holding it together and storing it up, 
reserved for the day of judgment that Peter does talk about here. But we see here, so we see predicted scoffers, the preservation of his word. We also see the purpose of seeming delay. Now the scoffers say, you know, where's the promise of his coming? I mean, you've been talking about just coming for, you know. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of people that have predicted, you know, when the Lord's coming. And, and, I, and I've heard evangelists, well-known evangelists, say that, that he had to come before the year 2000. And, uh, and, you know, of course, uh, Harold Camping set dates, you know, I don't know, probably, if he set one, he probably set ten. I don't know how many he set. And he's dead now. He knows better. Uh, but, but uh, you know, a lot of people have tried to give an idea when the Lord's coming. We don't know. And so people say, see, you know, you keep saying he's coming and he doesn't come. Why doesn't he? Well, there's a reason for that. Verse 8. We see two reasons. First of all, his timetable. We need to understand his timetable. Verse 8 says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that a day is, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, as a thousand years as one day. God doesn't measure time like you and I. He doesn't measure time like you and I. In fact, think about it. There is no time in eternity past, and there will be no time in eternity future. You won't worry about, oh, is it 6 o'clock, or 5 o'clock, or 4 o'clock, and i got to get up and get ready to go to work. And, oh, 5 o'clock, I get up. And, boy, about 7 o'clock, he'll be done. No. You know, we, we're, we're all programmed by time now. But God doesn't see time like we do. Right, go to Psalm 90. Psalm 90. <clears throat> He's not on our schedule. Psalm 90, verse 1. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, you children of men. For a thousand years in thy sight are as but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as a sleep in the morning. They are like glass which groweth up, grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withereth. We are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, red is their strength, labor, and sorrow. For it is soon cut off. And we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us the number of our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, a thousand years in thy sight is as but yesterday. In Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5, he says this, Lord, make me to know mine end, and the measure of my days what it is that I may know how to 
frail I am. Behold, thou hast made my days as an hand breadth. And mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Now, in the Bible, you have various measures. You have a hand breadth. That's this width right here. You have the cubit. That's from here to here. And, of course, you have furlongs and other things. But these are a lot of the common measurements that it gives in the Bible. And he, he doesn't say our, 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 we're like a hand breadth or a, a cubit. We're just a hand breadth. Our age is as nothing to him. You know, it was 400 years after the promise that God gave to Abraham that Israel actually took possession of the land. 400 years. That's more years than we've been a nation. And we think, man, that's a long time. It was 400 years from the last prophet in the Old Testament until John the Baptist came on the scene. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, in his time. And so, you know, Matthew 25, 13 says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man come. We don't know when it is, but we know it's going to come sometime. So, why is the seeming delay? Well, his timetable is not the same as ours. Secondly, he is long-suffering. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, God is long-suffering, and that's why He hasn't come yet. That's why we haven't experienced the day of the Lord. It's because God is long-suffering. You know, there are almost 7 billion people on planet Earth, everyone who's been given life and breath from God. And He's not willing that, or desires that any would perish but that all would come to, be, to repentance. You know, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 1 John 2, 2, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, He's long-suffering. That's why there seems to be a delay in the coming of the day of the Lord. So we see the predicted scoffers, see the preparation of his word, the purpose of the seeming delay. Then fourthly, the promised day. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will, notice, will come as a thief in the night in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, I don't believe this is talking about the rapture. Because of the rapture, the earth's not going to be burned up. I think this is referring to after, actually after the millennium, when he's going to recreate the heaven and the earth. I think that's what this is referring to. But he says, even then, it's going to come, it will come, and it will come as a thief in the night. Now, Understand something. It only comes as a thief in the night to those who are willingly ignorant. 
Genesis 6.3. Let me ask you this. Did God give warning to those in Noah's day that judgment was coming? Yeah, he did. Genesis 6.3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with men, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So God told him, look, you've got 120 years. When Noah gets that ark built, it's coming. In fact, Methuselah, I think it's Methuselah, correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I'm pretty sure that Methuselah's name means when he is gone, it shall come. And Methuselah died just before the flood. Enoch prophesied of the judgment of God in his day. So he prophesied there was going to be judgment. So yes, these people had been told that there is going to be a flood that's going to destroy everything. But yet it took them by surprise. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? But it happens all the time. Second Thessalonians we read in chapter 2, very same thing. It's going to take them by surprise. They're sort of like Samson, who when after his hair was cut off, it says he wist not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. In other words, he couldn't believe it. He was surprised. He shouldn't have been. He violated his vow. And, and you, can, you look through history, and you see example after example after example of people being deceived or duped. Marxism has deceived millions of people who are now enslaved by that system that was pro supposed to bring them liberty. I mean, you know, we got all kinds of people running around our country saying that well, that's the way we need to go, so we have everything free. Mr. Obama and Uncle Bernie. And people believe them. You know, that system has already been tried in many places, and it brings slavery and it brings poverty. What you're left with is a class of elites that are rich, and the rest of us are paupers. No middle class like we have a majority in America. Only in America. Why? Because we have liberty. Capitalism. People are deceived. Just like these are willingly ignorant of. It's not that they haven't been warned or told or can, can reason. You, know, even, you even hear unsaved people saying, things can't go on as they are. Something's going to happen. You, know, you see all the time. Uh, I see all the time sometimes in you know, different, different uh, uh Religious organization will talk about the end of the world is coming, or the, you know, but they're deceived. No, the promised day will come. To them, it's going to be a thief in the night. But notice one final thing: God has made a provision for His own. Notice verses eleven through thirteen. Seeing then, that's interesting. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. 
Nevertheless, we, we are saved, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. So, you know, we, we're looking for it. We're expecting it. It will not come to us as a thief in the night. It only comes to, as a thief in the night to those who are ignorant. Ignorant. In fact, go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they, notice the word they, they shall say, peace and safety. Of course, Obama said hope and change, right? Yeah, a lot of hope there in there. Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to aim salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another as also ye do. You see, so he is, you know, he has made it known to us who are willing to receive his word. He's made it known to us what his plan is. Psalm, I think it's Psalm 25. says, the secrets of the Lord are with them that fear him. The secrets of the Lord are with them that fear him. You know, God revealed to Abraham what he was about to do with Sodom and Gomorrah before he did it. And the Lord has revealed to us, as we are mindful of the word, he's revealed to us what his plan is for the future. Now, we don't, he didn't tell us exactly when. He did tell us that there's going to be some signs. But he said it's going to happen. So we know it's coming. It will not be a thief in the night ordeal for us. So we should be expecting his return by living holy. Look, look at verse 11 again. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? So we ought to be you know, looking for that return, expecting his return, and in light of that expectation, we ought to be uh, 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 purifying ourselves. 1 John chapter 3, verse, verse 1 through 3 says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. 
So if we're expecting His return, we should be preparing for it by purifying ourselves. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Peter's going to tell us later on. <coughs> Excuse me. We should also be desiring it. Notice verse, verse 12 says, looking for and hasting unto. The word hasting has the idea of desiring it. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to His day. The, day of, the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to His promise look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelling righteousness. So we should be desiring it. Even as John said, even so come Lord Jesus, come quickly. The end of Revelation. You know, we're expecting it's going to happen and we ought to be looking forward to it. We ought not to be investing ourselves too heavily in this old world. But preparing for that coming. And looking forward to that coming. Sometimes when you look around and the, the wickedness in our world, you think, you, 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 I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I wish sometimes I could just get away from it. Well, we are. Someday we are. Someday we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth wherein only dwells righteousness. And Revelation 21, 27 says that nothing defileth can enter there. Nothing that defileth. You know, our future is bright. Though from a worldly perspective, it looks very gloomy. I mean, look at the world. North Korea just set off an ICBM missile that could hit the United States, they say. Could have a nuclear warhead on it. That doesn't sound real encouraging, does it? That's not real exciting. We could be at war before long. It could involve nuclear arms. But you know what? God's given us some promises. He knows all about what's going on in our world today. And, and he's promised, of course, there's going to be a rapture before this happens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about that. So, we should say, even so come, Lord Jesus. Let it happen. You know, our future is bright. As bright as the promises of God. But if you start listening to other voices, you're going to get discouraged. You know, these things have all been prophesied by the Lord in His Word, so we need to give heed to it. We need to rest in it, put our hope and our expectation on it. We need to turn deaf ears to those who would turn us away from the truth. You know, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 15, meditate upon these things. Lord, you think on them. Think on them. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. In Philippians 4, he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Be mindful of them. I mean, what better thing is there to think on that the Lord's going to make a new heaven and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness? So, Peter's facing martyrdom. But he's thinking about that new heaven and new earth that was promised by his Savior. So even though he's facing martyrdom and the circumstances on earth are bleak, he's not discouraged. His future is bright. Because once he passes that veil of death, He's with the Lord. So, we need to be mindful. Yes, the world looks bleak. It's discouraging. It's disgusting. It's disheartening. How many other adjectives can I give to it? But we can have hope. And know that our future is bright because we serve a God who holds that future. He holds it. And if we know him as our Lord and Savior, we're held in his hand as well. So might the Lord help us just to be mindful of his word. It will give us peace in a troubled world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement we receive from it. And I pray that you help us just to be to rest. Be mindful of your words and rest in them. Find the comfort and grace that we can that we need to face everyday life situations that come our way. For your honor and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name.